0: It says in revelation 7 verse 9 after these things I looked behold there was a great multitude which no one could number he's talking about heaven the apostle John is seeing something far bigger than the earth where you and I live right now and the stuff that goes on in the news the politics the problems the all the issues worldwide he's looking beyond all that and looking at a time and says I saw a multitude that nobody could number Of all nations, all tribes, all peoples, all tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And I love the fact that that verse says, A, that heaven is going to be packed. It's not going to be two people up there who somehow or other manage to scrape in. I think heaven's going to have more people in it than hell will. But somehow or other, amongst all of that, he says about every tribe and every tongue, but you know what he doesn't say anything about? He doesn't say anything about the colour of the people that are there. He doesn't say anything about their religion growing up or their educational background. He doesn't say anything about their sporting prowess or their achievements or how many trophies they got or how many businesses they built, whether they were wealthy or poor, whether they had lots of followers on Facebook or hardly any at all. But he never either talks about their past and say anything about the sins that they needed to get forgiven of. All it says is this, that when they got to that moment, the only thing that mattered in their minds was not their past, not the troubles they'd gone through, not how difficult life was, not about the weights that they carried, not about who hurt them, who did them wrong. The only thing they can think of, the only focus they have is this one person called the Lamb of God. The only thing that matters to them at that point. Can I tell you one day, everything that you've endured you will one day forget it. One day, all that'll matter to you is, am I there? Am I on the spot? Do I get to see the land slain before the foundation of the world? Do I get to look at the Savior? Because if you see the Savior, everything else you ever did or went through, you will say that's irrelevant. I made it. I got here. I'm saved. In Jesus' name, I'm there at God's great place. That is all that's going to count. I just want us to stop. This is Father's Day. And it's Honor Men Day here at Metro. And right across our services today, we honor all the men, whether you're a dad or not. But I just can't help but every service so far today, I've, I've just felt so glad that Jesus saved me. I'm just so glad that, you know, every one of us, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what your background is. The only thing that matters is if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, he died for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he still died for you. Doesn't make any difference. And I'm just so glad of the incredible love of God, the heavenly father who is the only father that ever has got it all right. All the rest of us are just a, a bit of a broken mirror reflection of him. But I want us just to stop for a minute and I want you to stand with me and just give applause and praise to God the Father and say, "I'm glad that I'm here. Come on, lift it up. I'm glad that I'm here in Jesus' name. Go ahead, go ahead, come on. Give it to him tonight in the name of Jesus. What an amazing day. Thank you again, Sarah Janet, wherever you're gone. you can be seated. Thank you for that. My name is Jeff, by the way, Jeff Woodward. And 30 years ago, as uh, Hayden said, my wife and I, she's in the front row. Uh, we left our home with our couple of then small kids in Queensland and, and caught a plane. Never been to Perth in our life. Uh, literally got off the plane. I kissed the tarmac. i got to tell you, I got down and kissed the ground because I'd seen that there was a famous religious figure who used to do that. And I thought, well, hello, that's me. I'm just going to bow down and kiss the ground. So I got off the plane. I literally did. I got down off the plane, got down, kissed the ground. People are walking past me with their bags and I'm just kissing the ground going, I'm here. Uh, unfortunately, there were no press to meet me. There were no TV cameras. There wasn't a limo or a mobile. It was just us. And uh, off we go and we started. And it's been our privilege over the last 30 years to be used by God uh, along with an amazing team of people. Uh, more and more, it's about everybody else. And less and less, it's about us and about uh, what we're able to do. But we thank God for that. And uh, I want to speak to you tonight about The Greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman, if you haven't seen the movie, let me give you the background to it. It's, uh, it's uh, put to the movie, I don't know how true it is, but it's the life story of P.T. Barnum, uh, who had a dream in his heart and believed that, you know, the world needed some joy, And he tried a whole lot of stuff, but eventually, he and i watched this again on a plane the other day, uh, eventually he began to realise that some of the people least famous, some of the people most different. I don't know about you, I never came to Jesus because I felt like I was a good person. I actually came to Jesus, I remember as a 19-year-old, and it's a long while ago, but I remember as a 19-year-old, thinking to myself that Christianity was for everybody else but me. I actually thought to myself that other people could do it, but I was incapable of living that good a life. And so I understand where this guy was coming from. He begins to pick people and choose people to headline his show that everybody else kind of actually looks at and goes, really? You're never going to be that. And out of that comes the incredible success story that has now become the movie, The Greatest Showman. Well, you know, I kind of armed an art about this because to call God the greatest showman, well, you know, it kind of might sound a little bit irreverent or a little bit blasphemous even. But, you know, then I began thinking about how the very first miracle that Jesus ever did was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the first miracle he ever did was turning water into wine. Now, he never did it because people were dying of thirst. He never did it because the wine was somehow some medical elixir that would save someone's life. Do you know why he did it? Well, two reasons. One, he did it because his mum asked him to. And the second reason he did it was because he could. So I thought, well, you know, that's really a bit like showing off, isn't it? Then I started thinking about how one day there's a stormy night and the disciples are out in the middle of the storm and Jesus doesn't yell out to them. He doesn't send an angel with a message. He actually goes walking on the water. And again, why did Jesus go walking on the water? Because He could. And I'd go, how cool is that, huh? That's, that's just one ton of swagger right there. You know? That's somebody just going, oh, check this out. This is what I, I can walk on water. And so I don't think it's that far out. Because, see, I think most people put God into the, entirely into the, if you're really desperate and you absolutely got no other choice than go to God. have you ever heard somebody say stuff like this? Well, I suppose we've got nothing left to do but pray. And so somehow or other prayer only works if you've tried everything else and it didn't work. But it seems to me that when I read the Bible, and particularly the stories of Jesus, I start realising that God actually wants to show stuff and do stuff that is so uh, over the top, It's so ridiculous. It's so over what you could deserve. It's so much more than what you should reasonably expect. It's so much greater than what anybody else would tell you God can do. I actually believe God is the greatest showman of all time. God wants to show stuff. you. I'm going to give you a bunch of them just quickly tonight. Here's, Here's number one. First thing God wants to show you. Is the the greatest showman wants to show his love. He wants to show his love. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 in the Amplified Bible says this It says, But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. Have you ever stopped to think? about how many times, maybe not everybody here, but in my case was certainly true. The number of times I could have died because of stuff that I was doing. The number of times I could have ended up with a completely screwed up mind because of things that I was doing. And yet even before I came to Jesus, see so many people think God starts showing His love to you when you say yes to Him. But the Bible actually says while you were a sinner, before you could say yes, before you got up and lifted your hand, before you prayed that prayer, read the Bible, fasted, prayed, tithed to God, worshiped Him in singing. Before you did any of that, the Bible says before you were doing it, while you were taking the name of Jesus like a swear word, while you were saying God was irrelevant, while you and I were saying God had no place in your life, while you were doing all of that, God was reaching out and showing His love to every single one of us. He shows His love to us. Come on, I know lots of us can look back. I certainly can. And see times, and I'm not going to bore you with my stories. you probably got better ones. But I know this much, that while I was in like that, God's love was already reaching out to me. I know I had a praying mother and a praying dad. I thank God for them. Or else I'm sure I wouldn't be here. But I remember the... Times, Do you remember the times when you happened to meet that right person in the right place? I remember seeing an ad for the Catholic Charismatic Conference at the University of Queensland. I wasn't a Catholic. The university kicked me out. But I saw this ad and if you ask me, why did you go? I have no idea. I took my wife. She wasn't even my girlfriend then. She probably wouldn't have had me as a boyfriend to be honest, but... Uh, but I remember saying to her, will you come with me? Because she was a real Christian and I kind of felt safe with her. <laughs> She's about this big and I'm about this big. And, but I felt like, you know what? I'll be safe. She can protect me in case anything weird goes on. I remember sitting in the seat closest to the doors. I could, I could draw you the picture if I was a good enough artist. And I remember sitting there. I remember when people went around shaking hands. I'm from the bush. I just was. Like this. Because guys were hugging guys. And that never happened where I grew up. Just, I'm not making a comment about it. I'm just saying it never happened where I came from. And uh, I, so when some guy came to hug me, I just went like this. You know, like, you, you cannot get any closer than this. And I made sure they never locked the door so I could get out if I needed to. And then I see this ad for the Catholic Charismatic Conference and I go along and I don't remember the preacher and I have no idea how good or he or she was. I have no idea what they talked about. I don't know what Bible verse they used. But I do remember the presence of God in the worship. And I do remember going, this is heaven. I, that's what I thought. I thought this is heaven. And something inside of me said, you know, this is what I've been looking for all my life. Only I didn't know what it looked like. And it was out of that that my journey to God started. But you know, when I was doing that, I, I wasn't following God. God shows His love. He wants to show that to you. I know this much His love is not a response to our effort. God's love is just His attitude towards humanity. It's not the way He's not responding to you trying harder. God loves me no matter what I do, no matter how far I go. He wants my effort because that's how I grow. But His love doesn't depend on my effort, it's just His attitude towards humanity before I could deserve it, before I could earn it, before I promised to try harder. He shows me that He loves me no matter what. So God's a great showman. Here's the second thing God wants to show us. The Scripture says this in Psalm 91 verse 16. God shows us His salvation. says, With long life I'll satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. And you go, well, isn't that heaven? But no, see, listen, come on, listen to me tonight because I'm not really wanting to just preach you a nice sermon and, you know, I watched a preacher on TV today and everything was so beautifully set out and all started with the same letter and it was just really clever. And, and that's cool. I, I don't mind that. But that's not the space I'm in right now. I just, I want to talk to you about what God thinks about you. And I want to let you know no matter who you are, you might be a billionaire sitting here tonight, but there's a hole in your heart because there's something missing. And I want to tell you that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. I want to tell you God loves you and He's reaching out to you. I feel His love goes out towards people. There isn't anybody on the planet that He's made up His mind to hate. There isn't anybody on the planet that He's made up His mind to disregard. And He wants to show us His salvation. But salvation in the Bible is more than heaven when you die. The Greek word for it it literally means wholeness. It means that He wants to show me how to become whole in my life. I grew up in a good home. I grew up in a home. i would never seen my father. He just died this year. Just six months short of 100. But i would never seen my father lose his temper. But once in my entire life. So I didn't grow up in a home where. Saying what you think was was normal. The way things were done. I grew up in a home where it seemed to me. The best thing to do was bury it all. And not let it out. And so when I came to Christ. God didn't have to tone down my temper. He actually had to bring wholeness into my life emotionally in areas of insecurity, in areas of wondering what people thought, in areas of of a sense of inferiority and stuff like that. And He started to bring wholeness. I don't know what your particular twist is inside your brain, inside your emotions or your human life. I do know this, that God wants to show you what wholeness looks like. And if you'll keep following Christ, I know that that's the goal. He brings me to wholeness. He doesn't bring me to just going, you know, now that you're a Christian, hold on until I come back. Hold on until I finally come back for you. The whole part of this, every single day. I don't know about you, but after all these years of following Christ, I find every week I'm growing in God. That's probably just because I've got so many challenges. You know, you don't need faith unless you've got problems. So maybe that's why I get so many, I don't know. But I do know this much that every week, as long as I keep following Christ, I'm growing all the time. I, I want to live. People say, how long do you want to live for? I go, at least 120. Because I'm growing so well right now. And I reckon I'm only about halfway. And I think I could be amazing by the time I hit 90. I'm feeling like I could really get something going by that time. May not be there yet. God shows His salvation. Here's the third thing. God shows Himself strong. 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles rather, 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Oh, they're not up there for you. I thought these scriptures were up. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And the word they're strong, doesn't mean God wants to go out and do some bench presses. God wants to go out there and do some squats, some, some kind of fancy lifts. But really what it's about is he wants to, to be in you being strong. God wants to turn up. I said this this morning. And I've thought about so much in the last year. don't know why particularly, but I've thought so much about the fact that I needed a Saviour. All those years ago when I was 19, and I realised I needed Christ, I said yes to a Saviour. But somewhere along the way, as you start following God, after a while you can start feeling like it's up to you. You can start feeling like you've got to turn over the new leaf. You've got to be stronger. You've got to be more Christ-like. You've got to grow the fruit of the Spirit. Heck, it's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of you. huh? Come on, it's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Jeff. Uh, but we act like it's the fruit of Jeff. We act like I've got to somehow rather, turn this all up and get this going. And the reality is that God wants to keep saving you. He's doing that. The bride is prepared. The Holy Spirit at work in our life. I don't know who you are necessarily or where you're from or what your background is. But I do know this, that when you are weak, He is there. When you are flawed, He's there. I'd love to tell you that after all these years of being a Christian, I am now impervious to temptation. Thank you for the love. Because I totally get where you're coming from. I totally get how anybody here go, you know, I'm over it. Uh, I never get tempted anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm past it. I, I don't know if you've, maybe you've found it. I haven't. I find that I've still got to go and lean on a saviour. I've still got to go, Jesus, I don't have enough faith. I don't have it all packaged up. I've heard a million sermons. But, you know, the one I really need is the next one. God wants to show Himself strong. Number four, God shows us direction in our life. He's a showman and He's a show off when it comes to this. Psalm 1611, you'll show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. God wants to show you how to live and where to go. I do not know of anything apart from dying and going to heaven. I don't know anything greater than that the Holy Spirit becomes my friend. And that every single day, He will walk with me. And He'll talk with me. And He'll witness to me. I I would never have been able to continue doing what I do if it wasn't for that one single thing. That week by week, week by week, when you go, I don't know what to do next. I don't know how to take the next step. I'm not sure what to do. Somehow or other in that. Come on, the Holy Spirit does that. And He starts direct. God wants to show you direction for your life. And it's a discovery. I was talking to my youngest daughter today who's just about to change some things pretty big in her life. And I said, do you know what you're going to do next? She said, no, I don't know, Dad. And I said, well, isn't that the great fun of discovery? I said, I'm sure God's going to show you what you're going to do next. I've lost count of people over the years that I've watched go on a discovery journey. I preached at a conference a couple of years back and I gave everybody in the building, and there was about 1,500 of them, I gave them all a compass. Now, the reason I gave them a compass, is I said, because God doesn't give you a map telling you what's in front of you. He just gives you a compass that tells you what direction to head next. And all of us, we want to have a map, don't we? I want to know what tomorrow looks like. I want to know what next week looks like. I want to know whether to sell my house now or, you know, Six months time, I want to know if that investment going to be any good. Should I do that? I, you know, you want to know all that stuff, don't you? And God doesn't give you a map that outlines every twist and turn. God is not Google Maps. In 100 metres, find the left lane. God is not Google Maps, but God will start to direct you. If you're letting, God wants to show direction. I'm, I, I'm confident, you know, I think, so many people never see it though, because they never ask Him for it. They just got their head down, their tail up, and they're just going straight ahead. And I'm going to get there. I'm going to do that. Well, why don't you stop and say, Lord, what do you want? I think the greatest thing we ever get to do is to invite Jesus to take over the reins, to start driving. You know, I had a, a cataract, op- no, no, it was a retina operation. Uh, was that last year? Yeah, it was last year from an old basketball injury. Guys stuck his finger in my eye socket. And uh end up getting a detached retina out of it anyway. And uh, I remember driving home with one eye. Uh, well, I wasn't driving home because I wasn't allowed to drive. Rhonda's driving me. And I've got to be the worst backseat driver on the planet. I'm just sitting there going, like, get in the left lane. Like, what are you doing? Like, speed up. Well, you could have made that. Rhonda's sitting there, tick, 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 indi- like the indicator, hello. and And... And all of a sudden, I realized that's, you know, that's half the way most of us live our Christian life, telling God to hurry up and going, get out of the road. I could do better than that. And so we move into the driver's seat. And three prangs later, we realized God knew what he was doing. So here's the good end of my story, by the way. Here's the good end of my story is on the way home, I decided it was time to zip it. And just be calm and cool and collected. And I was for the next six weeks. Well, they wouldn't let me drive. Everywhere she'd drive me, I'd just sit there and smile. I never thought once, you should be in the left-hand lane. I would have gone around there by now. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. That's about the only time I've ever been cool and calm, but... That's why I told you about it, because I don't do it very often. God wants to show us direction for our life, and he's going to guide you. Here's just a couple more, just quickly. Here's number five, here's the fifth thing God wants to show, because he's a showman, is God wants to show us his purpose for us. My brother is a civil engineer. And he's really, really good at it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'm driving through Queensland. And I turned around and I said, My brother Bruce. He was the engineer on this highway, built all this road, but we're driving on. And he's so good at it. He just gets onto all the detail and stuff. He's really good. I was smarter than him at school, but they kicked me out. And now I look back and go, thank God, because I would have been a terrible engineer. You would have driven on my road and it would have gone all over the place because I would have said, just put it there. So what if there's a tree in the road? Knock it over. I don't think it would have done, but, you know, somehow or other God found the purpose I'm meant to have. God wants to show his purpose for us and in us. Exodus chapter 9 and verse 16 tells us, it says in this verse, but indeed for this purpose I've raised you up that I might show my power in you. Here's number six. Sixthly, God shows us a bigger and better life. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 was one of the first verses I ever learned when I gave my life to Jesus. It says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. And I remember that whole space of adventure and asking God to show me things. I did not know that God wanted to supply my needs, I didn't know that God wanted to intervene. And over the years, time after time, miracle after miracle, so many times the Holy Spirit has been there when one of my children was diagnosed with a, a condition that I'd buried somebody from. They'd had that same condition, this diagnosis, only literally a matter of weeks before. And I remember my brain was going all over the place and it was just crazy time. And all I could think of was Psalm 91, there shall no evil befall you, no plague will come, nigh your dwelling." And I remember just saying it to myself and she wouldn't let us tell anybody, wouldn't let us get anyone to pray. And I remember just walking around going, God, you know, how's this? But this is what your word says. God, this is what you say you'll do. And I remember at 1 a.m. one morning, standing out in our, uh, in the, where the phone was in our house and crying out to God and saying, God, I need your help. God, you've got to help me. This is too big. And literally feeling, I don't want to spook you out, but it was like someone poured warm honey over the top of my head and it went all down through my body and down to the bottom of my feet and I heard a voice. And the voice said, it's going to be all right. Well, we took her to a specialist who began to laugh. I got pretty angry because I didn't think you should be laughing about something so serious. And uh, I got pretty tight about it. But he said, I think your daughter's got a virus. Now, I don't know whether God turned that thing into a virus. I don't know whether it always was. All I know is this, that in my moment of incredible need, the Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit was there. The Holy Spirit was there. I remember, I don't want to be crude here, but I remember when I had to go for a colonoscopy because a test had turned out to be positive. And I'm in the waiting room at the end after it's done. And I, I said, Lord, am I going to be okay? And I heard him say to me, yes, but. And I thought, well, that's a bit strange. You know, and, and I, I went out of there and had the appointment with the doctor. And he said, you're going to have to go and see a, a, a surgeon because we can't uh, take care of it any other way. And I thought, oh, that's okay. I would heard the Lord say, yes, but. So I went and had surgery. And I asked the doctor, I said, how quick do I get out? And he goes, well, the longest anyone's been in is 14 days and the fastest is four. I said, I'll beat that. I think he thought I was nuts. Well, I came out in three. And I'm not saying that to brag because it was like God was there. Why am I telling you these things? Because God wants to be where you are. God, come on. We've made God somebody who sits in heaven and awaits our worship, rather than being someone who does life with us every moment of every day, rather than being someone who's there. And so after that, when they said to me, you're going to have to have chemo. And I went, wow, I never, wow, that was a big deal. But I remember hearing that voice, yes. But a friend of mine said to me after six months of all of that, he said, "I, I guess you must have really wrestled with the fear of dying. I looked at him, I said, it never crossed my mind, I never for a 30 seconds that I was going to die. Because I'd heard God. And I don't think that's because I'm a pastor. I don't think at all it's because I'm better. I think what it is, is because I've just learned that there's somebody bigger than me waiting to hold his hand out to me. I've found this somebody in my darkest hour and at my worst moments. I'd love to tell you that I've been righteous all my Christian life and I've never, never made a mistake. Go and talk to my wife afterwards. She'll tell you about the time that she was berating me after a basketball game. I'm ashamed to admit this, but it's still true. And uh, she was kind of going off at me because I used to help the referees quite a lot. You know, I'm blind, I'm deaf, I'm meant to be a ref. And so I was helping some of them, and she was telling me that that was so unchristian. And uh, I'm in Maylands. I stopped the car, got out the car, and I said, I'm walking home. And I started walking off. I'm a pastor. It's not a good look. (laughs) She followed on a little while, slowly behind me. I said, Don't even bother about it. This is where it gets really embarrassing. Cause it's a long way home and it's night time, and so after about forty-five minutes, I haven't arrived home. It's two-hour walk at least, but I'm so ticked off I don't care. I'm going to show her I'm a man. I'm a boss. I'm not even going to let Siri be a woman's voice. It's too late. I told you I was, I'm embarrassed to tell you this. I really am, but you know. And so she rang up Owen Fox who was our youth pastor, and said, she explained to Owen, and Owen came looking for me. He pulled up and he said, here you go, mate. I go, oh, man, I'm such a loser. God, how weak is this? So I just I tired of walking by then. My anger had all evaporated and I got in the car and drove home, walked in the house. Oh, yeah. And we know None of you have got a clue about this. You've never done anything that dumb in your life, have you? Nobody. No one's even helping me out here. No one's even saying, yeah, I got you, Pastor. I got you. I'm with you. I remember it was a pretty quiet night that night. I don't remember any candles on the table. I don't remember any soft music playing. I just remember the sound of my own heart going, But you know what? I've discovered that God just wants to keep walking with me. My my greatest desire, honestly, as a pastor is not to preach sermons. I want to help people find out how great God is. I want people, I don't care who you are. Maybe you're in business and you might go, you know, uh, my head's so full of all the stuff I've got to do. Can I encourage you to lean on the Holy Spirit? Can I encourage you not to let God be a box on Sunday that you fit in and you sing songs to and you read the bible cuz after all that's what christians do we read the word of god come on don't be like that he never wrote it as a as a manual i've heard people say the bible is god's manual for life no that's rubbish i've never read a manual in my life the manual for my fridge doesn't say and by the way ps i love you <laughs> it doesn't does it <laughs> I was looking at a manual for something the other day in our house, the vacuum cleaner or something rather other. And it doesn't say, by the way, you are my special child and my chosen one. I chose you from before the foundation of the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it doesn't say that. And yet this book says stuff like that. This book doesn't just say don't and you should. This book says you are mine and and I'm proud of you. This book says I believe in you. This book says things like there's going to be a number in heaven that you can't number and it's everybody and not one mention of who they were and what they did and how they screwed up or how good they were and how much they achieved. All it is is about the Lamb who's the Saviour of everyone that'll come to Him. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Come on. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. And we, we shriek God to the level of a religious icon. Just somebody that we just sing about rather than somebody that we embrace. Well, there's a bunch of other ones here and, you know, maybe one day somewhere I'll get to the rest of them. But I just want you to think for your own life tonight. Is God in the big space of your life? Are you leaning on him? Is he real inside of you? Is he somebody that you walk with or someone that you just walk before? Somebody that you're aware of is there. I do not know of anything more great. I'm so glad that I went to that Catholic charismatic conference, though I was nothing like a Catholic. I'd been in one Catholic church in my life. I'm so glad that I went there and I got a glimpse of the reality of God that I hope just being here tonight has given you because I feel here every single service, never one knot. I feel not just the nice presence of God. I feel the energetic pursuing and reaching of the Holy Spirit to men and to women that have decided in their minds that God is for old women and kids or that it's irrelevant and that they're too smart and all the rest of the stuff that we swallow with our breakfast as a kid growing up. And then one day like that, you encounter God. And when you encounter God, you start saying inside of yourself, wow, there might be something to this. You take the step like I did. You give your heart to Jesus. You don't get up the next morning and everything's perfect. But you do get up the next morning and everything's different. You do get up the next morning going, something did roll away. A stone did roll away. Sins got forgiven that I didn't even know were pressing on me, but they went. And have I stumbled Oh, more times than I can? I haven't got the time to tell you how many. But I thank God that there's been a saviour who walked with me no matter what. Never stopped. And I love that. And my greatest joy is that people say, I want to walk with the saviour. Listen, don't let anyone tell you it's religion. Because religion is all about rules. And this is not religion because it never ever was. It's about someone. The whole focus of the Bible is not the Ten Commandments. Everything in the Bible, every book of the Bible, even the ones in the Old Testament that are full of rules, point forward to a lamb. They all point forward to a saviour that is coming, who loves the world. I love it, come on. Because I read my paper, I watch the news and all I can think of is the world is so screwed up, it's nuts. And I would want to go and live by myself in a desert somewhere if it wasn't for a saviour who says, I'm coming to do something about this planet. Amen. Just bow your head with me a moment. Father, thank you for this moment and for who you are. And Lord, I pray for everybody in this building. There are people here that came tonight just because someone invited them. And I'm so glad that they did come. But Lord, they weren't coming, expecting anything. But Lord, I was like that. I, I didn't go going, It's the night I'm going to change. I just went because I was interested. But I discovered, Jesus, that you were there. And I've never forgotten your reality there in that place. And I've seen you so many times, Jesus, you just keep loving people. We get messed up and we get shooken up and broken up, but you're still there, still reaching every single one of us. So Lord, I pray tonight for every person that's here. Pray, God, that tonight if they need that, whoever they are, rich or poor, smart, not so smart, doesn't matter. Broken, not so broken, but Lord, every one of us in need of you. I pray, Jesus, that you will touch each life. Just while the heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we do it so many different ways in this church. But right now, I just want to ask if you're here and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me right where I am? Pastor, I'm, I don't think I'm a Christian. I don't, I'm not sure. My sins are forgiven and that Jesus reigns in my heart. And I want to walk with Him from tonight on. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your background is or how you were raised. But all of that doesn't matter because God wants to put you in Revelation 7, verse 9. He wants to say, you're one of the numberless number. I'm putting you in that spot. One day, I I want you to be there and we'll look at each other and go, it was worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it, wasn't it? And if that's you tonight, you'd like me to pray with you just right where you are. All I want you to do is just to slip your hand up so I can see it. One, two, three, four, lots of hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just wherever you are, hold them up for a second. Never be embarrassed. Thank you, thank you. Never be embarrassed to say, God, I need you. Never be embarrassed in your life to say, Lord, I'm reaching out to you. Some of you here in this place, right at the back, I can see you right up there on the left. God bless you. Wherever you are, I see you are here in the middle. Yep, I got you. I got you over here. Who else, just wherever you are, you say, that's me. I see you up the back. Awesome. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's the It's almost the same prayer, I think, that I prayed when I was 19. It wasn't a fancy prayer, and I don't remember it because it was full of these and those. I remember it because it just fitted me and where I was. So if you lifted your hand, I want you to say this just loud enough so you can hear yourself pray it. Just say it right where you are. Say this after me like I did. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. I need your wholeness. And I need your strength. I need your direction. I need you to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior right now. Amen. As simple as that is, it's powerful. And it works. And Jesus instantly forgives you. Some of you immediately, you'll wake up tomorrow morning and go, wow, something's different. Some of you will be over the next couple of days or whatever, just go, you know what, something's changed. I've seen people literally where I couldn't recognize them after a prayer like that, literally. Couldn't recognize them because they'd changed so much. I'm believing that for each one of you tonight in Jesus' name. A team will give you some resources. Fo and your team will just be out there at the, uh, in, in the cafe area shortly. And if you want them. Is Fo, where are you? Fo, are you here, bro? Come on up here quick. Just so I want everyone to see you. Fo leads our whole uh, discipleship ministry here and Metro Preaches. He's a great preacher. Come on up here. Some old, isn't it? Yeah, not Tongan. That's other people. Yeah, you're someone, yeah, gotcha. Uh, this guy here, why don't you just talk to the, these people, there's lots of people left their hand. Why don't you talk to them for a minute, tell them about what Jesus wants to do, huh? Yeah.
1: Hey, guys, just first of all, um, really congratulations if you've made that decision. Um, for many of us here, we've made that decision, and God has come into us and changed our lives. And I encourage you to, Really make that step towards becoming who you are in Christ. You know, Jesus said to go into the world and make disciples. You know, churches were full of Christians, but God's commanded us to become disciples. And I really um, commend you for making that decision. And we, we want to help you on that journey through just walking alongside with you and praying with you. So I really encourage you to yeah, continue to walk with God and be strengthened with might in your inner being by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves you, has a great purpose and a plan for you. And today's the beginning of that for, for many of you here tonight. So be blessed, family. Be blessed. Well done, Paul. Awesome. This is why,
0: look, I'd like you to do this. Fo, you there, bro? The info counter. What I want you to do, because there's a lot of hands, and so I want to make sure no one gets missed. At the very least, I'd love it. If you lifted your hand, just put your name. All you got to do is put your first name, your last name. We're not asking for your life history on that. Uh, That's between you and God. But give us that much so we can be praying for you this week. Our prayer team will pray for you by name. They'll pray every single day. There'll be a whole team of people that will pray for you, that God will help you, and they'll keep praying for you. By the way, do that. And Fo will be out there at the info counter. Now you've seen what he looks like. He'll be out there to make sure that you can get any resources that you need. Any of the materials we have, they're yours and they're free. I want to say this as well, because this message will be podcast. And there are people all over Australia that listen to these messages. I know somebody in outback Queensland just this week who texted in. How do I know that? Because they phoned me up and I got the message and they told me I texted yes this week. And so I know that when I give out this number, I know there's people all over the place that have heard it. We have a live link into Newman, 1,308 kilometres away. Pastor Bruce Grant goes up there to host our first live link. And a lady comes up to him and says, you know what? She says, I gave my life to Christ because of this number, 0488-826-392. She said, I'd wandered away from God. I wasn't going anywhere to church, but someone gave me the number. I texted yes and every morning when I get that Bible verse and then I get uh, a prayer that I can pray. So, Because well, most people don't know how to pray. They don't know how to start. And you get that on, on, on one kind of screen of the smartphone every morning for 30 days. We never ask you for anything. We're just blessing. And she said, I got that. And there she was in church now, worshiping God, her life beginning the journey of what it is to be transformed. Because I owe 488-826-392. I'd encourage you to do it. Let your friends know about it and they can be blessed out of that, all right? Well, listen, I just want to pray one more time. I know my time's probably gone, uh, but I, I want to just tonight, because I know there'll be people here and, and honestly, you need God to be a show-off in your life. You need God to show up and show off His strength. Amen. You need God to show up and show off His direction in your life. You need God to show up and show off His love for you. Some of that's in big ways. And some of we have a thing in our home of, you know, we celebrate all the big bits and some of the really tiny bits. Some of the things that are so small that other people might go, well, that just was a coincidence. I go, "No, God's in my life. Nothing's a coincidence. He's helping. And so I love that. Some of you need God to show up and show off His salvation, His wholeness, because you're struggling with stuff. And if that's you, before I hand back to Hayden, who's going to come and lead us in the celebration bit at the end here, and then you get to go out there and there's food galore. uh, Before we do that, and I hope you've had a, a good Honour Men Day, a good Father's Day. For some people, it's a difficult day. We get that. We hope today has been a part of helping you. But I'd love to pray with you. If you need God to show up and show off in your life, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet and I'm going to pray for everybody that stands up. If you need God to show up and show off, no matter who you are, no matter what's going on in your world, you might go, you know what, Jeff, we're in a tight spot financially. I need God to show up and show off His ability to provide. Jeff, I'm in a tough spot with relationships. I'm finding it hard to forgive. I need God to show up and show off his ability in my life in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's pray together. Just reach out to someone near you. Come on, pray for one another. Father, we thank You for tonight. Thank You, Lord, that You are the greatest showman. Lord, not because You pretend something, but because You show who You really are in our life. So I pray for these men and women. I pray for the older and the younger and the ones in between. I pray for those, God, that have been walking with you a long time and for those that are just starting. But, God, I pray that each one of them, in the mighty name of Jesus, will see what it's like for God to show up and show who He is in our life, in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. amen, amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Here's Pastor Hayden.